now, Father, I just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would just come and flood this place on a greater measure, that you would, uh, we're so grateful for your presence that's been so potent in this room. But I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you prepare to run through and to and fro through this room, touching us as the word is released to partner with the Spirit. Right now, I just thank you, God, that there's going to be shifts and dynamic breakthroughs in Jesus' name. I thank you that eyes are going to open, that chains are going to break. Father, I thank you that new seasons are going to be launched in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You're going to anoint my mouth with fire. Okay, so I'm going to read it quickly. I'm going to read a whole chapter to you, and then I'm going to get into my message. Is that all right? Okay, Psalms chapter 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I mean, that's just the mic drop all on its own. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, my, is the strength of my life. You're not the strength of your life. God is. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came, came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. See, the gospel doesn't promise you that the enemy's not going to come for you. Hello? The Bible doesn't tell you that nothing's going to come against you. It just tells you that God's with you. Verse three, though an, an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Come on, somebody, there's some, there's some fighting words here. There's some fire-spitting words here. Though an army make its encampment around me, I'm not going to move. I've got God. Come on. Verse four. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell, come on dwelling place, in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Can I give you the New Testament version of what that means? That I will be in the presence of God, baptized in the atmosphere of God all the days of my life. See, in the house of God is not a building, it's a person. You are now the living temples of God. So there's one thing that I want, is I want to be baptized, I want to be immersed, I want to be a carrier of the presence of God. What does that mean? It's not just some weird mist or cloud or frosting, it's that He is with me, walking with me, and it's not some special ingredient I've got, it's that I'm attracting a relationship, and that person's walking with me in the unseen world, emitting an atmosphere. Come on. Oh man, some of you ain't getting it. This one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, I will chase it. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. What is that? That's intimacy of relationship. To inquire in the beauty of the Lord. That's intimacy of relationship. Okay. Verse 5, 
For in the time of trouble, do you notice that he's acknowledging war and encampment and armies coming against him, but he's not staying there. He's recognizing that wars and times of trouble are coming, but he keeps going back to, I'm going to seek the presence of God. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to seek intimacy because this is your breakthrough. Too many Christians spend all their time talking about the things and the weapons that the enemy is building against their life and not enough about who God really is. Oh, come on, somebody. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of his tabernacle. You know what that looks like? It looks like the enemy coming up to get you. And you're standing there thinking that it's all, you're going to have to figure out how it's going to work. And all of a sudden, Daddy God comes and stands up. He says, get behind me, son. I got this one. What did you say about my boy? Listen, some of you seriously need to get raised from the dead. The problem is, is you don't know how to make a noise when something like this is getting spoken and you take that and when the battle comes, you don't make a noise. See, when the enemy comes to take, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm just going to come out and say it. When the enemy comes, the reason that most Christians get defeated is because they don't let the right thing come out of their mouth. Last week I was speaking, I was talking about uh, having right perspective and encouraging yourself in the Lord. The children of Israel, the, the armies of Israel, they all lost their nerve, they all lost their courage because they let Goliath speak and they never said anything back. Come on. You've got to learn how to say something. That's why I like shout back churches. See, there ain't nowhere in the Bible that you can find and give me a scripture that tells you to be quiet in church. It only says, you know, don't cause chaos and don't be disruptive. It doesn't say be quiet. Okay. He shall hide me and set me high upon a rock. Who's the rock? What is a rock? Foundation. Okay. This ain't where I'm going. This is the introduction. Verse six. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. See, the enemy's busy telling you that he's actually gonna bury you. Come on, somebody. The enemy, when he wants to take you out, let let me take you back to World War II. This also happened in in Vietnam, but I'm not going to get into that. But in, in, in many wars, there is what's called psychological warfare. And this is something where a technology is used like, you know, uh, it's either print or it's radio or it's TV where a message is broadcasted to the enemy that lets them know they're going to lose before a bullet's even flowing through the air. Come on, somebody. Come on, are you with me today? Should I just go home? The enemy's trying to bury you and actually God's gonna elevate you. So when, when the enemy knows that God can elevate you, he's gonna busy try and get to you so that you don't believe what God's told you. He's gonna tell you that you're gonna be buried. God's busy telling you you're gonna make it. You get what you believe. So in, 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 in World War II, the, the, the Germans would fly over the, over the British Isles and they would bomb the churches on purpose, the places of worship. And they would drop pieces of paper that actually told them, you're already defeated, we're greater than you, we've already taken out all these countries. Hello? Yeah. 
And then you got Winston Churchill. About six months ago, I read part of his speech. We will never surrender. See, there has to be a voice in every battle that defies what the enemy is speaking. We will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the streets. We will never surrender. There has to be something that comes out of you that defies what they... Because listen, God's already written the end of the book. You need to stop believing an objection from the enemy when the end's already been determined. He's trying to get you to believe a side story that's gonna take you on a 40-year trail through a desert when God's already promised you Canaan. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. What's your response when the enemy comes? I'm gonna worship God in the face of my enemies. I'm gonna worship God when, he, when the enemy's telling me everything he's gonna take from me. When the enemy's telling me what he's gonna do to me, I'm gonna worship God. I got a word for you today. And I really feel like the Lord's showing me that there's a lot of people in this room, there's a lot of people that are watching that are going through some fierce battles right now. There are people that, the enemy's been speaking to you, telling you that you're gonna be defeated. The enemy has been displaying his strength, telling you that he is going to take away your future that he is gonna take away your purpose, that he is going to cancel your calling. Come on, somebody. That he is gonna chain you up with the cares of this world, chain you up in your finances, chain you up in your health, chain you up in, in debt. Come on. And God's got an answer for you today. Come on. Verse seven. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me also upon me, and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Verse nine, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse 10, when my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Can I say something? We need to become a people that stop judging our success by other people's approval around us. We need, we, need, we need to just cancel that. We need to stop being people that when, when, when people, with family members, family's awesome, but family ain't God. And sometimes family have great opinions that actually conflict with the truth in God's word. People that love Jesus, that believe his word, they just ain't in his word enough and the wrong thing starts coming out of his mouth and it starts messing with you. Come on. When people forsake you, good people, when people stop believing in you, when people start telling you you've missed God, God is never gonna leave you. Come on. We need to be a people that says, I'm gonna lock in my final answer and I'm not gonna change. God is with me. God has purposed truth over me. He's purposed destiny over me. And I'm gonna chase it all the way to the end, even if I lose friends over it. Well, come on. That's not a popular, let's improve my life message. No, it's not. The Bible says real clearly, in this life, you'll have many troubles. Then the Lord will take care of me. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. When trouble comes to you, your brain is gonna think it has a strategy, but you don't need your brain strategy. You need God's plan. Come on. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end 
leads to destruction. Listen, no person on this planet or in the history of this planet would ever go down to a place of destruction if they believed that the path was bad. Did did someone hear what I just said? So your brain ain't smart enough. You need God. You need God's plan on what to do. You don't need, I've talked about this before. Have you guys ever seen, there is a species that God put on this earth for bad hunting animals and probably some bad hunters too that would have turned out as vegetarians otherwise. There are these things that you can Google after you got out of this meeting, they're called fainting goats. Now, if you've never heard of a fainting goat, you need to get on Google, actually go to YouTube because it's better. You can see it for real. They are real. So when these goats get scared, when something jumps out at them or roars, these things take two jumps and then they go into a state of living rigor mortis. I've never seen anything like it before. Write it down, YouTube it later, it's going to be hours of entertainment. They're called fainting goats. Listen, you are not a goat, you're a sheep. The world faints when the enemy comes, not the children of God. Come on. Those things, it's the trippiest thing I've ever seen. They lock up like they're dead. They're as hard as a board and they fall over like some weird comic thing. And then the lion that was a terrible hunter that always missed out on a meal comes and eats. Come on. You don't need to be fainting when the enemy shows up. You need to be hiding behind God. You don't need to be reacting in panic when the enemy presents his plan. You need to be saying, God, I think I know what I should do, but what is your plan? Because I need your plan, not my ideas. Because currently, fear is contending for my attention. And I'm concerned that my good idea might be weaved with fear. So if I have fear weaved into my good idea, it might end up in destruction. So put me aside, what's your plan? Hello. Come on, somebody. This is my introduction. Verse 12. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. Watch this. This is where we're coming here right now. Verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I believed. I would have lost heart unless I believed. You know why you lose heart? Because the enemy is so convincing in his display of threat. Because when the enemy comes out with the shock factor news, the shock factor scenario, that letter in the mail that's threatening or foreclosing or a bill that you didn't even know was possible. Come on, somebody. Or a health report that has shocked you and you don't even know what to do about it. Come on. Or that family member that's made that decision. See, my heart would have lost hope. I would have lost hope. I would have. Would is not a committing word. Would is a possibility. (laughs) I would have lost hope unless alternate reality. Alternate ending, somebody. Alternate ending, come on. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Come on. I wanna talk to you today about hope. I really feel like there are people here where the enemy is contending for your hope. Come on, I'm speak- I know I'm speaking the truth. I know this is God because I wasn't planning on speaking this message. 
Verse 14, wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Okay, are we ready? Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, very famous scripture, I'm gonna read it real quick. Out of the New Living Translation. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of what we cannot see. Hope and faith are different. Hope and faith are different. Hope is a result of seeing the promise or the vision or the proposed outcome of God's goodness. My heart would have, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in my lifetime. Come on. You know what the enemy's trying to do? He's bypassing your faith and trying to steal your hope. How does the enemy steal your hope? See, my heart would have failed unless I had have seen the good. Seen? Hang on a minute. My heart would have failed, but you're telling us about armies that are surrounding you and false witnesses that are rising up. Come on, somebody. David's telling us that all this bad stuff's happening and he's saying, my heart would have failed, but I've seen something. Let let me rephrase that for you because some of you are struggling. My heart would have melted, but I have hope. And I have hope because I've seen a vision of what God has for me. The enemy has done his best. The enemy has given his best attempt to cause me to doubt God. The enemy has put on a big mural display of everything he wants me to believe so he can destroy me. He only succeeds if I believe him. I'm gonna say that again. He only succeeds if I believe him. None of what he is showing you is real. That's why you need to look at God. But this one thing that I have desired and one thing I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and what? Gaze on his beauty. When you are looking at God, you are like Peter walking on the water looking at Jesus. It's what you're looking at. It's not the environment you're in. Come on, somebody. It's who you're looking at. It's not what's happening to you. I really feel like there are assignments right now that are coming against people in Dwelling Place Church and people that are watching us from who knows where where the enemy is trying to show you an alternate reality and he's contending for your gaze. He's getting you to look at all the failures that apparently have happened. Come on. The devil is a liar. That ain't no joke. That's a real thing. He has been a liar from the beginning, the Bible says. Why do you need hope? Faith shows the reality 
of what we hope for. It is the evidence of what we cannot yet see. So, that's a very strange equation that we've been given. It's like a piece of algebra in school, and someone's asking me to figure it out. Let me show you how it works. It's actually very simple. If you spend time seeking God, if you spend time, and can I just say seeking God is not some crazy mystical thing that monks do. Seeking God literally looks like sometimes waiting quietly in a room. You might not hear God speak a whole lot. I don't. I don't. That might shock you. But I don't need to if I can hear one whisper. I might not need to if I have the enemy telling me all these terrible things he's going to do to me. But I have this quiet confidence on the inside. Listen, the devil needs hours and hours and hours of talking just to look like an idiot in one moment's silence of God's. Come on. You've got to stop listening to the wrong voice and looking at all the stuff that the devil... The devil is an upset child having a tantrum trying to get you to come and play out in the mud and God's saying, I've already got everything cool inside for you. It's real. That stuff's real. Destruction hell is real for those that agree with it. See, the devil's into brainwashing. That's why in Romans it says you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the washing of the word. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Scripture that I had every day, over and over and over again. Why? Because the devil was constantly contesting and is contesting from my mind and yours every waking moment. Has God really said Eve? Did he really want to bless you? Or was he trying to keep the best from you? That same lie is happening to you every single day. It's the same substructure. It's just got different accessories on it. It's the exact, if you really start to think about it, it's the exact same lie with just a different application. It's like, you know, our kids went to Build-A-Bear with some friends recently and, you know, everyone gets the same thing. They just, they go, you guys know what I mean by Build-A-Bear? They get the same little what do you call it, like a blank? And then they stuff it with different things, but it's a bear. Or a what? You could do other animals. It's a bear. It's a teddy bear. Or a teddy dino, whatever you want to. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Listen, if it smells like an elephant, it is an elephant. The devil is not the creator. We only have one creator. His name is Father. Daddy, Father, God. The devil is an imitator. Therefore, he has one toy and he keeps painting it to looking different, thinking you're stupid enough to believe it's a new invention. There I go again. Okay, so so hope, I I wanna talk to you about this for a second. Hope is what happens when you spend time with God and you start to see and experience his goodness. Come on, somebody. Hope causes strength to rise in your heart. And when you start to see the vision of what God is promising you, you actually start to get confident that God's with you. Can I get an amen? Amen. From that place, faith tangibly takes a hold of that promise and starts to pull it in. 
Because hope is the realization of good vision. Faith is the mechanism that believes. Come on. Hope is what happens when you look. I've got seven things that bring about hope. I want to read them to you real quick. There's probably more, but these are the ones I've jotted down. Now here's the, the first one I'm going to come straight out of the gate with a word that people don't use in church anymore. Repentance produces hope. Repentance produces hope. Why? What is really repentance? See, let's just tackle dirty religion for a second. Can we talk about that for a second? Dirty religion? Religion says, repent, you dirty thing. That's actually not what the word repentance is that Jesus used. Repent means I've seen a better way. I've seen someone worth looking at. And now I have a different priority. Now I have a different perspective. Now I have a different direction. Now I have a different posture. Repentance. Come on. We need to repent every day, guys. We need, repentance is not the one thing you did way back in 85. Some of you, 94. <laughs> repentance is what happens when the goodness of God comes and you get hope that he's still in love with you. And there's a reason to believe that God's goodness is gonna cause you to make it. And when you have that moment when God's goodness touches you, you hope again. And when you hope again, you believe. And when you believe, the stuff that you used to be in love with becomes repulsive. Come on. So when you have repentance, see, when you're in love with the wrong thing, you're constantly condemned and you lose your hope because you're looking at the wrong thing. Peter started sinking when he looked at the wrong thing and he sunk into the storm around him. So repentance brings hope. Some of us have not been feeling hope for a long time because we're in love with the wrong thing. Why do these things keep happening to me? Why am I in a, why am I in a cycle of change? Oh, why am I in a cycle of the same thing? Why do I keep going through every six months the same things happening to me? Because you're in love with the wrong thing. It's not that the goodness of God isn't there. It is there. He's waiting for you to turn. <laughs> Come on, this is, this is really good. This is Jesus. I ain't that good of a preacher. That's Jesus. I'm not. I'm just some random kid from New Zealand that Jesus had come here. You need the goodness of God and so do I. Come on, somebody. So repentance produces hope. You remember those moments where you've been in a really dark place and you're like, listen, I know there's a lot of people that preach about dry seasons. I don't have a dry season with my wife. Think about that for, oh, I'm in a really dry place with my wife the last five months. Okay. You keep telling yourself that. But there are times in life where I'm in love with the wrong thing and I need fresh hope. And in those moments, it's so refreshing. I get my hope back because the goodness of God is touching me. See, what happens is, We don't want to repent and give Jesus lordship. We want to stay in love with a false lover. With your side chick, Satan. And so then we change our theology. Oh, God's taking me through a hard season right now. He's beating me up. Oh, let's talk about it. I wish that you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. 
Choose one or I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. That's what Jesus said. Book of Revelation, don't hate me. That's real. You cannot serve two masters. You can't be in love with Jesus with your mouth, but in bed with the devil in your heart. Repentance. Oh, this is some good stuff right now. I don't, I don't know if this atmosphere has heard the word repentance for a while, Orange County. Thank you, God. Number two, prophecy brings hope. Because when God brings you, like I had a dream two nights ago and I, God was showing me stuff, it brought hope to me. See, people have walked up to me and are like, oh, I've got a word for you. And okay, firstly, I'm gonna be like, okay, let's just check this thing out to make sure that you're not a blowout. You're not just trying to like, just give me some weird thing that you feel. I wanna know it's actually God. But when God speaks to me, when I have a vision or a dream or something like that happens, I have a spirit realm experience, something happens in here where I have hope because I've just had another little piece of heaven's puzzle come and I can see a little more of God's goodness in the future of my life, which causes me to disagree with hell's mural. Come on. Prophecy gives me hope. The prophetic realm gives me hope, gives you hope. Number three, healing gives me hope. When I watch someone's body get touched and all the stage four cancer cells wither up and die to the name of Jesus, I start to get more confidence. Flu, you have no power here. You know Gandalf, you have no power here. Or whatever, that, that actually that dude was messed up. That was uh, that worm tongue dude, wasn't it? He was a blowout. Actually, that's what the devil's telling you all the time, you have no power. And then stage four cancer just gets killed. Can I just tell you, you need to stop saying, oh, my heart's just really heavy with no hope when you watch someone else get healed and you haven't been healed yet. You need to take their healing as seed for your breakthrough. See, if you really tap into this, you can't lose. You need to stop living in the land of self-pity and spiritual paralysis with your jealousy that's empowered. Okay, you get, you get what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get you to repent and look at the right thing instead of feeling sorry for yourself. In the same way, deliverance brings hope. See, when someone is oppressed by demonic power, demonic stronghold, and it's cast out, hope comes back. Because they keep repeating that problem. They keep being tormented. And all of a sudden, the power and the love and the freedom of God comes and they get completely set free. And now like like Legion, and he was returned to his right mind. What was he devoid of when he was completely possessed? Hope. Because he was under the control of dark power. Are you with me? The enemy is trying to steal your hope because if he steals your hope, he's got your faith. If he's got your faith, he's got your attention. If he's got your attention, you're in chains. I hope someone hears this today. You were made for victory and breakthrough. You were made to live up on top of the mountain, not underneath the dark cloud. Okay. See, let me help you. There's someone in this room right now that's struggling. Oh, Christians can't have demons. Yeah, that voice was not God. We'll have an altar call in a minute. You know who you are, because I heard that voice just talk to you. Okay, seeking God brings hope. 
I haven't felt God in a while. When was the last time you were with him in a while? Oh, I go to church. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when was the last time you closed the door and turned your phone off? When was the last time you just went in your room and put worship music on and said, God, I need you so much. (laughs) Seeking God. See, can can I just encourage you for a second? It's one thing to be in a church service and a worship team take us into the presence of God and you feel the goosebumps. It's a whole other thing when he comes for you by yourself. Come on, somebody. It's a whole other thing when you're in a room and no one knows you're there and he comes and you say to yourself, you're not just here because Pastor Beck sang real nice. You're here for me. There's something melting in my heart right now because there's no one else you're here for. You're here for me. (laughs) Oh, come on, somebody. Someone's getting breakthrough today. I'm gonna go over time, it doesn't matter. Don't even just stop looking at your clock. It's all right. <laughs> salvation brings hope. Come on, salvation. When you see someone walk out of the blackness of chains, out of the kingdom of darkness, being a child of the devil, and all of a sudden the light and the truth of God's presence comes, and darkness and sin leaves them, and they get completely touched by the power of God. You watch the darkness and leave their eyes, and you watch hope and light and brightness come over them. It does something to you. It brings hope. I say we're winning. We're winning. We just got another one. Come on. Come on. You need to think different. If you're not thinking different, you're not looking at the right God. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Can you tell I'm aggressive? I'm feeling aggressive. I'm feeling hostile. Why? Because it's not right for God's children to be chained up. I think I just said children's plural. <laughs> the children's and stuff. <laughs> Here, here's another one. Number seven. There's point number seven if you're writing notes. Remembering brings hope. Now, in context. Not remembering all the hard seasons you've been in. Not remembering how everything's been taken from you. And you being a little spiritual seance of your own tragedy. With my God, I fought a lion and a bear and I killed both of them. And today I'm going to take your head off too. God was with me then, he's with me today. What happens? Because the devil's trying to single you out that you're going to be destroyed again. But you need to take, when he's speaking, he's trying to distract you from remembering. Hello? And that's when you turn around and say, I would like to show you my collection of God's breakthrough in my life. Please step this way. I've got a little something I'd like to show you because you're painting a mural, but I've got a, I've got a quilt. And this quilt is sewn together with all the breakthroughs and provisions and healings and deliverances and miracles and victories of God in my life. Come on. You've got to remember where God's taken. You've got to remember the chains that have fallen off your life. You know, when David killed Goliath, he took Goliath's sword. Does anyone know where his sword went? He took it into the temple, the place of worship. Do you get that? He took Goliath's sword and he took it into the temple. Why? Because every time he came to worship God, he saw the victory that God had given him. Every time he came before God to say, God, I got a problem. He's looking at a sword that's from a fallen foe that was undefeatable. 
come on. This is some good news. This is some good news today. There's seven points. I'll, I'll post these notes up on the Facebook feed after this message. Is that all right? And someone can get something. I've got some scriptures I need to run through with you. <clears throat> Shaka Baba. Watch this. I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 1 again, but I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, open bracket, title deed, or confirmation, close bracket, of things hoped for. Faith is the confidence in what you hoped for. Does anyone know what a title deed is? It is a legal document of ownership. Faith is the legal document of ownership of what you've seen in God. Come on. Come on, somebody. And the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as facts what cannot be experienced with physical senses yet. Come on. Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Again, I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. I apologize if that offends you. Where there is no vision or no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Where there is no vision, where there is no hope, people are destroyed. Hello, is someone with me today? I just feel like I've been wandering in my Christian walk for the last 20 years. Good news, baby. Today is the day of salvation. You can see fresh vision of God. You can experience the presence of God fresh today. You don't need to be some dead congregant in some dead church. Come out of that dead church if you're in a dead church and get into the presence of God where His presence can touch you and you can see that His goodness is for you and not just for the preacher. Come on. I feel possessed by God today. I'm going to go now to Proverbs chapter 13. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is the one that every dead Christian manipulates and every single person uh, laments over. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. I would have lost hope if I had not believed. How do you not get sick in your heart because it hasn't happened yet? You believe and stop believing with your emotions, you believe with your faith. I'm going to say that again. Stop believing with your emotions and start latching on with your faith. You know what I like in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11? There's a, there's a paragraph of people that died in faith not seeing what they were believing for. That is bad to the bone. If you can believe God and believe die hard all the way to the end, not even seeing it and still not giving up, you're bad to the bone. That's a nice way of saying it in church. Stop saying it hasn't happened yet, I'm tapping out. That means you've been believing with your emotions. Get out of your emotions. Kingdom of heaven is not an emotional affair. It was paid for with the blood at the cross. That's got nothing to do with emotions. Jesus had emotions. You heard, you heard them in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, not your will. If it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my feelings, but your will. 
Come on. Woo! Come on, I'm going to get some breakthrough today. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. There is no room for soft feelings. Now, I'm not saying that we're not emotional people. We have feelings and emotions. Yeah, and God will give you the desires of your heart as long as you believe Him. And belief has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with faith. Come on. <laughs> okay, can I carry on? 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. That's someone probably calling because they need a breakthrough. That's all right. We've got enough to go around. The kingdom is, is limitless. This, this goodness is limitless. Listen, you need to get so much hope on the inside of you that people start getting hope themselves just hanging out with you. You need to start having such a convincing look in your eyes. You need to be going through the worst storm in the room. Come on, hear me for a second. That when other people complain, you don't need to hear that. You don't need to share their sto- your story so they feel better about their lives. They just need to see the, the fiery hope in your eyes, which shifts them out of their darkness. People don't need to see a preacher with no problems. People need to see preachers that are walking through some stuff and holding on to faith. See, I've seen enough of this now that when the devil punches me, because he does slips and punches through, but he ain't winning no war. He's just making me mad. You need to get mad with the devil instead of sitting down saying, where was God, where was God? Listen, when God in Job chapter one, do you guys, everyone's like, oh, the devil just wanted to mess with Job. No, no, go read Job chapter one again. God initiated that fight. Hello. God initiated, have you considered my servant Job, Satan? How he is blameless and a righteous man, Satan. And then Satan's like this little tantrum in the, in the playground. Well, if you take all his toys away, he won't like you anymore. <laughs> Don't you realize that God is the master chess player? He already saw eight moves ahead. Actually, he saw infinity ahead. He saw the end game. <laughs> God picked that fight. God is picking fights over you. Stop appreciating and respecting hell's attempt to get you to believe the ultimate uh, alternative story and start holding on to the truth that God has promised you. Come on. Come on, this needs to break someone out of a mentality today. This needs to shift someone's mindset. Have you considered my servant, Jenny? Have you considered my servant Tanner? Have you considered my servant Jeff? Have you considered my servant Mason? Come on, somebody. If the devil is attacking you, it's because God has led him, but God has confidence in you. God never did that stuff to you, but God has confidence in you because on the other side, in just a minute, when the devil's given you his best shot, God is gonna strip all of hell's power and wealth and give it to you. In Ephesians, it tells you to put on the armor of God because we are in a fight. Oh, Jesus did it all. You don't have to do anything anymore. Okay, go get destroyed with that belief system. Go get, yeah, just go tear that scripture out of your Bible. Go get destroyed. No, no, 
and having done all, stand. The battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. Agreed. But we're in a fight. And you have to believe with your mind and your heart, but your words have to back it up. And the second you open your mouth, you're in a spiritual war. You're in a spiritual war. So when I open my mouth, when I'm preaching right now, I'm picking a massive fight. You get the benefit, I'm picking a fight. Come on. Oh, you don't have to do anything. I'm doing something right now. Some of you have thought in your minds while I've been speaking, oh, you shouldn't be talking like that. That, That's going to get the enemy upset. Yeah, that's your belief system, not mine. And that's why you're still hiding behind a rock. And it ain't Christ Jesus, it's called your fear. Shake and bake. Okay, I need to keep moving here. You can't walk in hope of God unless you're in the love of God. Faith, hope, and love are inseparable. You can't take one. You can't have radical hope and faith and not actually be connected with the love of Jesus. I might have to say that again. Someone tried to delete that. (laughs) Faith, hope, and love are inseparable. You cannot just be like, I've known people that they're just like radical, like praying, warring tongues, and there's no love of God in their life. Dude, you, you look more like the devil. You're all aggressive and hostile. You've got no love in your life. Hello. Faith, hope, and love are inseparable. You cannot be radically hope and in faith without being rooted and grounded in love. When you're rooted and grounded in love, you hold on to hope because real hope came from his eyes. And that can only come out of a place of love. Okay. Someone getting something today? Is something shifting in your life today? Let me say this. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes that rain falls on both the just and the unjust. True? It's okay that I go a little bit over today. Is that all right? Oh, we need, we need to get this. Because there's a war raging over some people in this room right now. And if it's not over you and you're like, oh, why have we, we, I've heard something like this before. It's coming. Calm down. You're not exempt. There's a war coming for you. And in a time of peace is not the time to chill out. It's the time to strengthen yourself. Yeah. I was sharing with a friend just a couple of days ago. You know, the, the, David went through so many great moments in God, but where he messed up, it says it was springtime, the time that kings go to war. It's specifically specified. It was, king time, it was springtime, the times that kings go to war. But David wasn't at war. He was up on the battlefield because he had succeeded. He had got to the executive level. He'd made a corporation out of his ministry at that point in his life. And where was he? He was up on the rooftop of the palace looking at a naked woman. And we know the story. See, the problem is, is that the devil, if he can't get you in the battlefield, he'll make you soft in the peacetime. And sometimes he's backed off on purpose. Listen to me. Sometimes he's backed off on purpose. We are always to be vigilant for our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. Oh, I just come up to a new level now. There's no problems. Oh, pride comes before a fall. See what I'm saying? I'm not saying that any of this is rooted in fear because here's the deal. This is how you prepare. You keep looking in his eyes. What have you got in your presence for me today, God? Come on. Shaking back. Am I doing all right, babe? Is this okay? Okay. 
Now, I've got some good news and then I'm going to wrap up, okay? I've got some good news. Someone need to hear some good news today? See, I want to hear the good news. I don't want to hear the bad news that they call gospel. I want to hear the good news. Here's good news. Jesus wins. Here's good news. We're with Jesus. Here's good news. Devil's going to burn forever. Oh yeah, I talked about the devil. Yeah, I've talked about the devil a lot today. Yeah, you do too, but you talk with him and agree with him. You need to stop agreeing with him and you need to start looking into the eyes of Jesus. Come on, this is real talk. It's about as real as it gets. Well, it could get a little bit more real, but I'll probably lose a few points. So we must strengthen ourselves in God, okay? The number one key I can give you is intimacy. Go back and look at those seven points. I would advise you to go back on Facebook and re-watch this a few times. You need to get this in you. See, if a drop of water hits your thing, you can, you can flick it off and you'll forget what was said on Wednesday. But if you repeat it enough, it becomes a part of you. You need to repeat this enough because the, devil, the battlefield's up here, guys. The battlefield's up here. You need to retrain this thing. Okay, Psalms chapter five, I'm gonna read from verse 11. Psalms chapter five, reading from verse 11. But let all those who rejoice, sorry, let, but let all those rejoice who put their trust, also hope, in you. Let them ever shout for you. There's that thing again, remember? Don't be quiet in church. Let them ever shout. You can shout back. There's your scripture. Because you defend them. Say this with me. God fights for me. Stop believing that it's all about you and start realizing that God is your defender. The devil is trying to get you. See, they who abide under the shadow of the Almighty, come on somebody, you can't be touched. You need to believe that. The devil's trying to get you to forget that God is your covering and go fight the battle yourself. When you lose hope, you stop being under God's covering and you go fight yourself and you do get taken out. Yeah, every person in this room, including myself, has experienced a beating. Hello, we all made those silly mistakes. I'll go and do it myself. We don't say that at the time, but no one would ever go down to destruction if they thought the path wasn't a good way. Okay, let all those who love you Love your name, be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous and favor, with favor, you will surround him with a shield. It doesn't matter what the devil's done. It doesn't matter what injustice. I had injustice this week. Where's Jake? True? It was shocking. We saw some shocking injustice. I was, I I mean, you know, I I can talk. I was speechless for a minute. I was like, are you flipping kidding me? This is insane. This is crazy. Oh, hang on a minute. Get back, get get back to my my vision, my hope. I got this. Because it looks like the devil's stealing, but I'm going to take everything. I just, you know what I said? Okay, you did that. I just 10X'd him. You took that from me? From now on, I'm going to be your tax man. Every time you steal from me, 10 times. Oh, no, actually, and I had this, this was part of my conversation. Actually, no, I've got scriptural rights a hundredfold. 
I'm going to get so expensive for you. See, his petty fight with me is not as big deal as it feels in the moment. He just gave me license to plunder him. You need to think differently. Okay, so God has his shield around you. Get in behind him. Hello. Okay, now this is what I want to go to. Psalms chapter 25 verse 2, last scripture. I know I've gone about 20 minutes over, but you need this 20 minutes. I need it. We need to hear this stuff over and over and over again until it's part of our DNA. Psalms chapter 25, verse 2. I trust in you, my God. Not my pastor's God. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one, watch this, watch this. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. I'm going to say that again. Half of you still asleep. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. Why does the devil want you to take your eyes off Jesus? Because he's trying to get shame and disgrace on you. And call that your journey. And then blame God for doing it. But if you get tenacious and you lock in and say, no one who puts there, that's me God. I will never be disgraced. It doesn't matter what hell does. It doesn't matter what it looks like it got away with. It doesn't matter how it tries to come against me. It doesn't matter how it accuses me. It doesn't matter how it attacks me. It doesn't matter how it steals from me. It doesn't matter how it tries to lie to me. I ain't believing it. I'm trusting you. Because today is not the end of the book. It might be the end of a chapter, but it's not the end of a book. No one who trusts in you will ever, say ever, ever, be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. No one who puts their hope and trust in God will ever be disgraced. You might walk through some hardship. You might get falsely accused. You might have false witnesses rise up against you and temporarily try and tarnish you. But you ain't getting disgraced in the big story. Come on. Come on, somebody. There's some good news. Now, real quickly, I'm going to land. What has God promised you? Who has God told you that he's called you to be? What has God told you that he's going to give you? How has God told you that he's going to use you? What breakthrough has he promised you? What healing has he promised you? What hope have you got out of his hands? Now, if you're listening to me and you're like, I'm not really sure, here's the simple answer. It's okay, no condemnation, just get in his presence. Stop spending all your life playing Xbox and binging on, on, on Netflix and Hulu. Come on, somebody. Stop spending all your time with your friends trying to be a social butterfly and go into your room and close the door more than you're with people. Well, that's dysfunctional. No, it's not. You're going to be roomies with God forever. (laughs) Figure it out. See, you need 
God to show you purpose. You need God to give you vision. You need hope out of his eyes. Because then it doesn't matter who abandons you. You got God. See, you plus God, majority. If God is for me, doesn't matter who's against me anymore. Doesn't matter. I'm good. We got this. Come on. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for this message today. You brought it straight out of heaven. We need this, God. Final challenge. Actually, let me just round off what I was just saying before. If God has spoken those things to you, how aggressively are you believing Him? Because look, get this. David is anointed king by Samuel. The horn of oil is poured over his head. Then he has a 14, 12 to 14 foot Nephilim giant standing there telling him that he's gonna take his head off. Every time that hope comes to you, the accuser stands up in the courtroom to challenge. I'm gonna say that again. Every time hope comes to you, the devil stands up in the courtroom to undermine, to challenge, to attempt to disqualify with your reasoning. Stop being so in love with your intellect that you become stupid in your spirit. I was going to say it more nicely, but I might as well just be honest. Woo! (laughs) How are you posturing yourself? Now look, God told me years ago that he was going to prosper me like crazy, but I went through decades of people ripping me off, stealing huge amounts of money from me, and I was just trying to do the right thing. I gave to God every week, and I went through crazy challenges. That's the devil. Look, oh, it's been going on for months or years. Yes, I understand. The devil's trying to get you to believe him. Someone listen to me today, please. The devil's trying to get you to believe him by repeatedly proving his point in the natural. But you haven't heard or seen or hoped in the natural. You've hoped in the spiritual. Stop believing the natural as if it's proof of a spiritual fact. I had years of people stealing money, robbing money, huge. I I should be so rich by now. If I could get all the money in one moment of the people that have stolen from me, I would be rich and be able to retire. I kid you not. True. It's true. Not exaggerating. It's a fact. But that's just him trying to prove that God's wrong. And that only becomes a reality if I concede and agree with his proof. But I have hope. And I have a promise. And I have a vision from God. Come on, somebody. We need to believe God because the devil is still the God of this world and he's trying to prove a natural point when God has spoken a spiritual fact. Here's the next one. Are you spending enough time with God for him to show you not just where you're going, but what to do next? See, sometimes we hear from God. God shows us stuff and then the enemy attacks us and we start looking more because the devil, it looks like the devil's speaking more than God spoke, past tense. But you remember, look, 
Psalms 27. You need to go back and read this. David is continually, periodically through the chapter talking about the devil surrounding him. Not the devil, but armies surrounding him. Might as well be the devil. Armies surrounding him, friends betraying him, false accusers rising up, him being besieged, trying to be overwhelmed, them trying to shame him. But he keeps going back to seeking God's face. He keeps going back to the presence of God because you need to unplug. Out. Jesus got up every morning while Peter was still snoring all the facts of what had happened during the day and he went out to a quiet place by himself and said, Father, I love you. Good morning. What do you want to say today? You need to unplug. If you're getting bombarded by hell, is this helping someone today? If you're getting bombarded by hell and you're starting to get discouraged, defeated, depressed, if you're starting to feel like what actually is happening is a reality and that you're a failure, you've missed it, God's left you, the blessing's lifted, you're not anointed anymore, God's overlooked you, He's gone, all that stuff's crap. You stop believing it, but the only way you can do that is you need to unplug from the chaos and you need to get to a quiet place. I just need to see you this morning. I need to see you tonight. Come on, God. This love is an everyday kind of love. Every morning I'm in it. Come on, I need fresh. I need fresh breath. I need to see you fresh, God, this morning. Tonight, I need to know, I need to feel that you're with me. You see? Otherwise, all you do is you sit there and you let Goliath keep talking to you until you believe him. Someone got something today? Yeah. I feel like we need a prayer line. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to close the service in prayer and then end, because I've gone like literally half an hour over where I usually like to finish. But this is important. Listen, your breakthrough, there's not any half an hour in the world that can compete with a breakthrough. Some of you need breakthrough. Some of you need to see fresh hope. Who feels like this message has been for them today? Look around the room. It's, everyone in this room needs breakthrough. Everyone needs hope. Come on. You just need to stop and remember the goodness of God. Stop and remember what He's done for you so far. Stop looking at what hasn't happened yet and start looking at what God's done. Start spending time with Him in the secret place, in your bedroom, in your car, in your, in your shower, at your dining table. Stop being a social butterfly and start being a God butterfly. Why don't you go fly around the throne for a minute instead of everyone's social media? Whoo, shaka baba, that'll preach. <laughs> Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thank you, God. God, we thank you for today. I thank you, God, that faith, hope, and love are keys for breakthrough. I thank you that faith, hope, and love are keys for us getting to destiny. I thank you that faith, hope, and love are keys for destroying the enemy's assignments against our lives. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that today has been a day of breakthrough where mindsets are shifting. Mindsets are shifting today, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you where the enemy's been trying to prove himself and prove points and trying to get our eyes off Jesus, get our eyes out of hope and into despair. I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, every assignment in this room, every assignment from anyone watching this, this, this streaming, it breaks right now in the name of Jesus. It breaks. I thank you that hope is being restored. I thank you that hope is rising in people's hearts in Jesus' name that we would be in your presence, that we would be with you, God, and that you would come and you would break the chains that are trying to get us to agree with darkness. 
and that we would hope and trust in you and that would cause the engine of our faith to start winding up in the name of Jesus. I bless, I bless dwelling place, God. We bless Orange County. I pray that our presence here in Orange County would be a fragrance to this territory, God. This is gonna be a house of breakthrough. This is gonna be a house of freedom. This is gonna be a house of purpose. This is gonna be a house of hope. That's right. In Jesus' name, amen.